This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to Reporters Without Orders. Order, order. Hello and welcome to Reporters Without Orders, a podcast where we talk about what made news, what didn't and some things that absolutely shouldn't have. I'm your host, Akansha Kumar and joining me today is freelance journalist Devendra Pratap Singh Shekhawat. I believe, Devendra, you are joining us from Bikaner in Rajasthan. Yes, I'm from Bikaner. So, Devendra, uh, along with his colleague Anil Tiwari, have recently done a story on the rise in cases of sextortion. The story has appeared recently in Al Jazeera. Anil was also supposed to join us today for this podcast, but owing to some emergency, he couldn't be a part of it. So we'll have a chat with Devendra uh, regarding uh, this particular uh, story. Also joining us online is my colleague Pratyush Deep from Assam. Hi, Pratyush. Hi, Akansa. Yeah. Pratyush has recently done a story for Newslaundry.com that looks at the ramifications of the exercise of delimitation in 14 areas of Assam. So we'll be discussing uh, about this issue, the politics of it, and what it could mean for the state that goes to polls in 2026. Welcome both of you. Uh, Devendra, शुरुआत आपसे ही करेंगे देवेंद्र का मैं थोड़ा सा इंट्रोडक्शन दे देती हूं अपने व्यूअर्स को एज अ फ्रीलांस जर्नलिस्ट देवेंद्र हैज ऑफन डन सम फंटास्टिक पीसेस ऑफ रिपोर्टेज एंड डीप डाइव स्टोरीज ऑन कास्ट इन द स्टेट ऑफ राजस्थान हिज स्टोरीज हैव अपीयर्ड ऑन पोर्टल्स लाइक आर्टिकल14.com एंड 52.in Devendra, sabse pehle, uh, uh, you know, one thing which struck me the moment I saw your byline was that uh, you've often been this go-to person who decodes caste for us across uh, Rajasthan, you know, uh, in different regions. How did you, you know, decide that you now have to do a story on, uh, you know, cases related to sextortion? I mean, from caste to like, you know, this jump towards basic instincts. Uh, I just wanted to understand what drew you into this story. Okay. So, firstly, Akansha, thank you for having me. So, you're true. So, there were... I guess uh, three or four uh, ideas in my mind related to a caste angle only. So I was working on a caste related story. It was an investigation. And then I uh, came across a few people who belong to scheduled tribes. And they only told me about these cases of extortion. Then I went to an area which is sort of like Jamtara hmm. in uh, Rajasthan only, the Mewat region. And the people are belonging, uh, so the, basically the people are there from scheduled caste, scheduled tribes, and Muslims. Right. So they are dominating this game of sextortion across India. Sextortion, cyber fraud, everything. So there are uh, villages there. So from there I got the idea and basically this is my story. So I can't uh, totally get into caste, but with this story what I'm trying to say is this extortion has now reached to the deeper sections of the society. The poorest and when you look at the poorest, the data shows that over uh, 50%, when uh, we, you include a scheduled cost in scheduled tribes, they are in uh, the poor category only. Whether you take the BPL or the 
other caste categories the uh, economic yeah yeah and and i think uh, that is uh, what uh, also comes out uh, quite beautifully i would say in the story because you look at the issue through the prism of class uh, both uh, from the perspective of the victim as well as the perpetrator of the crime and uh, my first question to you then is that why is it that those belonging to the lowest economic strata uh, suddenly emerge as this vulnerable group uh, who have been the targets of uh you know uh, these cases related to sextortion like for instance even in your story the very first case study is uh, a truck driver and that too in the you know hinterland state of up from prayagraj uh why uh, is this class uh, the chosen targets so class is the chosen targets firstly it could be anyone secondly the thing is so during covid these guys came up with new modus operandi and this is basically not sextortion as one of the expert puts in the story that this is basically a type of a financial fraud mm. because sex isn't actually involved in it so their mm. motto is to blackmail so they are uh, so they basically play with the psychology of a person to extort money money and they do it by playing psychological game they threaten the person so as this guy the main character of the story sham he puts in the end that why i was chosen at a target i guess this answers your question so he basically says because i belong to the poorest section of the society i can't complain to anyone firstly secondly i have access to internet everything is new for me and discussing even sex is different these people can't uh, discuss sex as we do hmm. it is a social stigma even for us and much more for them hmm. because when i went to their houses or when i met those people they were actually uh, so this guy sham he had some tools for uh, suicide few other people also they were daily thinking that how we can uh, do suicide their uh, google searches uh, said the same okay so, okay now coming back to the point is how they were chosen as the target so basically it started with a new modus operandi which is to target through internet not target through social media by making uh, fake profiles on facebook uh these uh, dating apps instagram hmm. through commenting on the reels attractive messages and then on uh, internet websites which you basically browse so when you will be browsing a website you will come to know that uh, in uh, the ad section you'll see uh, attractive or lucrative um, message a seductive message and then it will lead to you uh, for a website the third thing which is more uh, we saw was telegram so nowadays so this is something basically we figured out not everyone can access this uh, netflix or amazon or hotstar so yes. basically they go to telegram for downloading the pictures they are subscribed mm-hmm. to few groups and when they go to those groups or even a few others group but mostly it happens in those uh, these movie groups they get some messages these lucrative messages of uh, these uh, sextortion thing so, so I th- there they are let to it yeah right so i think uh, and and also the sense that i got after reading the story is also the fact that uh, yes of course there is a deeper penetration of uh, internet in tier 2 tier 3 towns uh, it has uh, go- reached uh, villages uh, but i think digital literacy has not really 
kept pace uh, to that uh, effect uh, and you know a certain uh, urban class who was uh, accessing maybe dating apps uh, might still be observing some amount of caution i would say uh, but for these uh, uh, individuals uh, that sense of understanding is also missing uh, because they they are not really sensitized uh, to handle uh, something like this and 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 as you said that uh, they are just being drawn to certain groups where there are uh, these links available which then take them to uh, a particular uh, site or a portal uh, where they are, see, are uh, duped uh, by the end of it there are a lot of factors in play as you pointed out this is the thing digital literacy is there they use these websites more then they get attracted to these reels more and the most important thing is basically uh, so this happens through mostly the hit and trial method hmm in on social media uh, either on facebook basically on facebook when a person is targeted the person is targeted through the lavish lifestyle he is showing but this isn't the case in other platforms they they use the hit and trial method recently uh, rajasthan minister was also trapped in the same method okay so this can happen with anyone but this is more with these persons they don't know how to act what to say and what not right and also uh, when you look at uh, this uh, from the perspective of the perpetrator of the crime and you uh, spoke with someone in the mewat uh, region who is a scammer uh, and it's quite interesting to uh, know that he didn't really have to devise like a full fledged website or uh, you know uh, i'm not sure if they're familiar with html language uh, to devise a, an online platform Uh, of sorts you know where people are directed uh, after watching porn etc but it's just some very random links this person has to fabricate to uh, trap his uh, uh, you know prospective client how do you look at this entire thing through the prism of unemployment also devain because uh, as you said that you know mewat region is uh, an underdeveloped uh, part where i'm assuming there aren't enough uh job opportunities as well and that also explains why youngsters uh are you know taking this route to make a living so unemployment is basically the reason and is among the prime reasons unemployment is the reason and due to unemployment so, uh these guys work in works in groups as you might have seen in uh, the movie jantara hmm. the whole village is employed so there are few villages as the uh, ips officer also pointed me out one is dealing with cyber crime one is dealing with extortion so one will be dealing with upi one will be dealing with otp right so basically one or two people are there they'll then uh, teach it to others and then they form the groups few females are also involved in it not in extortion but in other financial crimes so they learn it through that and when you're talking about this uh, education the literacy so these guys are uh, have gone to school like fourth standard fifth standard hmm. is to eighth standard that's it and in the employment is there uh, no one has go, uh, gone for job so when you have unemployment to such a level and undeveloped and especially casteism is also there that if you go to some job you might 
field casters or something. So this is like basically self-employed. They call themselves. That's our own work. Under nahi kyunki, so this guy also told me, he said ki, there's no casteism here, no. There is no path here. I can talk to you wherever I want. And I can talk to you in two minutes. I will also talk to the CM, minister, everyone will be afraid of me. I will not come to my cast. They feel proud of it. They feel that their voice is mattering. No matter what's the meaning. That, uh, you know, the ability to be able to threat or rupture someone else's life maybe gives them a high of a different uh, kind and of course they also enjoy the uh, oblivion that comes with uh, being a part of digital ecosystem where you can hide your identity Obviously. as well um, they have actually mastered the game they have mastered the game and they know one thing so this is the thing and then they know that they uh, live in a unity so they basically live in a area where they have their caste population their community's population, they are dominated. Hmm. They're the dominating force there. So even police have to think twice before entering the area or to taking action against them. They do take, but they'll get out in a day or two. So this guy, this uh, I've mentioned, he had gone to police station uh, several times, but he's fine with it. He's like, if we so it's yeah. fine. Because this is part of our job. Or as if you want to say something formal, then uh, tell it the production cost. Ka loss ho gaya bas aur kuch hai. It's fine. So they've made it a pattern. Ki this is our way of self-employment or business. Uh, Pratyush, would you like to weigh in or uh, if you have any question for Devendra on this? Yeah, so I was also like, you know, I was meeting somebody and I heard a similar story from Assam. There is a village in Assam where like, it's not sextortion. Basically, they call people saying, I have one kg of you know gold with me. I found it while digging some land or something like that. And then they uh, they call somebody like, you know, from Bihar or to Bihar and Jharkhand and people think, okay, they must have got something. So they will say, Ki, how much money you will take? They will say one lakh. So when people comes, then the whole village, like, you know, they, they are in the whole scene. Like they, once you go to the village, they will, you know, give you a first, they will give us like, you know, like real, real goal, like, you know, come amount once like, you know, you go back and take, uh, come back again with the whole money, then they will give you fake gold. And then they will call police itself case somebody is like, you know, some, somebody is going out from our village with a fake goal. So catch him. Then the police and the local organizations work together to catch this person who is a victim. And then they will like, you know, take the fake goal and as well as like take money from the victim as well. And nobody can complain. So as uh, Devendra was saying, like in this kind of, you know, sextortions or like this kind of cyber frauds, there's not, not only one person. I think villages like together, like, you know, they work together and they earn a lot of money. Yeah. So yeah, I like, you know, I just... Related so it is to a that. it is a cartel of a certain kind which yeah, has not cartel we can say it's a like kind of ki gaon, gaon, matlab, pura gaon ki har ghar mein ek, ek ek log usme involved hote. right and uh, section 67 of the information and technology act 2000 penalizes uh, distribution and publication of obscene material in electronic form uh, yet rise in cases of extortion suggests that law enforcement agencies need to do a lot more when it comes to nabbing the culprits and curbing instances of such cybercrime. Uh, my next question, uh, Devendra, uh, now we'll move to the 
arena of you know law and the hurdles uh, that uh, you know such crimes pose for the law enforcement agencies as well uh so firstly i think the problem is that not many come forward to report this crime because sex is still a taboo uh but also t- uh, you know uh, help us understand the fact that uh, there cannot be a specified jurisdiction also for this particular crime there is one uh, nodal authority that uh, let's say the rajasthan government has set up how does that help or come in the way of uh going about investigating uh, such crimes so firstly the major problem with it is the problem jurisdiction you can commit a crime from any part of india and basically as people in the story also pointed out the experts that the cyber law which is currently in place is outdated compared to other countries Hmm. so we should have modified it according to the current situation and as the cyber crime is on rise but we haven't done it so that is the major reason he also i'll tell you a small example so few cases a lawyer from bombay pointed out to us that few people don't register the complaint because the cell phone which they are using will go to police hmm. then the uh, investigation is completed they'll not give the phone it will be in forensics and whatsoever so the phone has gone for i guess 6 months or a year or 2 year this right. is also a barrier people will say ki humko nahi dena phone they'll come to the lawyer ki we want to register a complaint but else they'll come, uh, get to know that they have to submit the phone they'll say no so these are very small things which uh, the government needs to work on and secondly here people are more uh, dependent on the ngos not the police hmm they'll f- they feel comfortable to go to the police the ngo sorry not the police okay because the wide uh, known uh, apathy of police towards people and basically in these crimes and so few also suggested that when they go to police they don't get a uh, proper reception so they'll uh, be either disposed of they'll be taunted ki kya mazak kar rahe ho sharam nahi aa rahi is umar mein ye kar rahe ho wo kar rahe ho so these were the things a guy a 60 year guy told us he was like i went to police thrice he was from madhya pradesh i went to police thrice mm. every time they joked me they amused me and i was taught to uh, go out and go to ngo even ngo people told us that most of the police station referred to us 50 to 60% of our complaints come from the police stations because police people don't want to get into this headache of jurisdiction and everything they'll just say ngo ke paas chale jao tumhara kaam khatam hamara bhi khatam so this is something which we need to uh, come out of and even uh, for this story in rajasthan or uh, in across india rajasthan is the hotbed but still we don't have a cyber cell i have okay. to talk to few cyber experts to know that to which official should i talk about it Mm. then he suggested me a few names that oh, he so he is working with the the state police he suggested me one or two names only he said sirf inhi ko pata hai baki aapko utna acha guide nahi kar payenge so this is the condition and uh, i think uh, what uh, the story also manages to highlight is the fact that uh, like we always uh, say for the police that you know that basic sensitivity is missing 
uh, even when it comes to filing uh, an FIR related to crime against women. Now here also that person is you know sharing a part of his private life. One uh, inhibition in sharing the mobile or you know participating in the investigation could be the fact that there might be photos of all kinds. Uh, how will that uh, play out? Uh, the moment a person reaches a police station, it means that you know he may have to take someone else into confidence, which means that the family will come to uh, know about it. Uh, but also, uh, tell us what did you think of the mental trauma that these victims are going through and how they are dealing with it? Is that also one of the reasons why they are reaching out to NGOs more than the police? Mental trauma is too much. So the standard procedure which most of the NGOs adopt is they'll firstly uh, ask the person to follow some uh, protocol to get out of the trauma. Mm. They help them in dealing with the trauma basically. They'll not promise them that we'll get your money back or something because they can't do that. They'll just say that you are in depression, we'll get you out of it and do these things. Your video won't be circulated and how the most important thing is I'll tell you the social stigma, mm. the involvement of family and a lot of other things because these people, so few students we talked to do the, uh, okay, so we missed that part in the story, I'll not say, but so the, the few students were involved, uh, these one thing is for extortion for paying sex services. The other angle of the story was a uh, few people were, a uh, few males were uh, paid for this uh, escort services also. Okay. So this fraud is also on rise. Achha. They so they also come for, uh, for so fleecing money. They were doing it, huh, for the, they were doing it for their side income. A guy was doing it just to support his father in building the family's house or mm. paying the car's rent. So these people are already going through a lot, not only financially, emotionally, many things are there. Hmm. Then to deal with this trauma adds to it. Right. As I've also mentioned that who are the basic victims? Few are suffering from sexless, uh, uh, sexless marriages. Few are suffering from uh, breakups. Hmm. Right. Few are suffering from loneliness and uh, so on. So hmm. there's a lot going on. So it adds to the mental trauma and the social stigma takes it uh, further forward i mean the uh, the thing that uh, came to my mind after i was through with the story were these two books uh, one is uh, called the beautiful and the damned by siddharth deb it uh, i think came somewhere in 2011 2012 and um, it talks about these uh, uh, youngsters uh, uh, who have uh, been beneficiaries let's say of the liberalization liberalized economy in that sense and there is one case study uh, who uh, you know is a, a call center worker and how he has been able to uh, accumulate wealth and you know move on to a decent standard of uh, living uh, and then there was this another book which uh, came recently by Gautam Das called Jobonomics that looks at the problem of unemployment under the current NDA regime as well and uh, looks at specifically why we are churning out uh, unemployed 
यू नो पीपल विद वोकेशनल बैकग्राउंड बिकॉज दे डोंट हैव द स्किल्स है डैट द इंडस्ट्री इज लुकिंग फॉर एंड आई थिंक वेन आई put the larger context which is there in these two books the, the there is an aspirational side and there are not enough opportunities i think that is where your story bridges the gap and helps me understand the situation in a post covid uh, india where uh, there might be uh, a certain uh, uh, you know scarcity of opportunities there are people who are uh, looking for ways to make a quick buck and then there are people uh, who get trapped uh, in this vicious circle of uh, uh, you know uh, having uh, sex uh, and they actually don't even get what they have paid for and land up paying more uh, uh, to the extent of taking loans uh, moving on uh, to the second topic of our uh, discussion uh, something that pratyush uh has been focusing uh, on uh, since the last few weeks uh is the exercise of delimitation uh, in the state of assam that could be uh problematic for the government of himanta biswa sharma and pratyush i just uh, wanted to begin by asking you that this exercise has been pending since 2008 so now why has it suddenly become controversial because uh, as a layman it just seems like a bureaucratic exercise which was halted then and now it needs to be finished so we have to see it from a like you know uh, assam perspective like in 2008 it was why it was stalled it was stalled because at that time uh, oppositions as well as like many political organizations they opposed this exercise saying the nrc is yet to be updated so there are lot of foreigners in the voter list so we don't want this uh, delimitation to happen now so uh, like the like popular opinion was that once once you update the nrc then only we will allow you to delimit the constituencies as, so that the uh, you know how to say it like we didn't cause the who said that uh, the, the exercise of nrc needs to be finished this was the election uh, the political organization including the all assam students union right. uh opposition leaders all the like you know assamist nationalist groups like you know they they did their demand was update nrc first then only you, you go for the delimitation and uh at present i think there is no no problem there should not be any problem with delimitation hmm. but the problem comes when uh, uh on uh, december 31st assam government like assam cabinet took a decision to march four district and redraw boundaries of 14 place in 14 places like you know in some cases uh, uh, for example uh, 10 to 25 30 villages of a district was uh, you know uh, uh, was uh, you know their jurisdiction was changed to the next district that's how they redraw boundaries in 14 places so from that there was a fear ki uh, you know like people like especially from the minority community they were thinking ki this uh, administration uh, changes in administrative units was done so that they uh, the bjp could uh, you know uh, push this minorities way you know how to say it like uh, in a uh, in a position ki they cannot in, they no longer influence the electoral politics like mm. suppose there are 70% muslims in in a constituency at present not through this uh, redrawing uh, government like uh, uh, through this merger of districts and redrawing boundaries of in 14 places they are thinking ki uh, 
the BJP will uh, do delimitation in a way the seventy percent Muslims who is presently in a constituency will be divided in two constituencies. Hmm. So their numbers will decrease to like say thirty five thirty five. So they will no longer they would not be able to influence the uh, electoral politics. So that's the fear. As per the uh, rules of delimitation commission, uh, uh, all the constituencies in a district should be within a district. Hmm. So there could not be a constituency which, like you know, nowadays that's supposed to be a constituency. Dodo district may be spread out, hote na. After deal in in delimitation, that will not be allowed. All the constituencies in a district will be within should be within the district only. So, ah, uh, so many people are saying this merger of district, redrawing of uh, boundaries, we related to this. Ah, uh, well, you know, it, it has some relation to this point only. Ki, uh, if like suppose one opposition leader told me he is a very senior opposition leader, so he pointed out that see if there is ah uh, suppose they merge four districts, no, so now the jurisdiction of a district will be larger. So ah uh, that like the way I was saying, that seventy percent Muslim will be divided. So now it will be easier from for them to divide the minorities population in a district. Otherwise, if there is a small district, then it will not. It, it is not an easy task. So that's that. These are the concern at present from the minority communities. Second concern is coming from some indigenous groups as well, uh, because uh, in Upper Assam especially, there are many uh, groups like Ahoms communities like Ahoms, Morans. Uh, they they are like you know uh, like uh, yeah. So their concern is that uh, uh, now after delimitation, they, they they told me only that their doubt is. Through this delimitation, BJP will try to, uh, you know, same curtail the influence of their uh, the community's influences in around 30 to 25 constituencies. So Ahoms are very powerful group. Uh, like uh, uh, if you see the Chief Minister of Assam, many of most of them are from the Ahoms community only. Mm. So that there is also a fear in Upper Assam. And then there is another fear that the number of constituencies in Upper Assam will decrease. So these are the points around which this whole thing is going on at present. But uh, you know, uh, as far as the concerns around the Muslim voters are concerned, mm-hmm. that the idea is to split it in a way yeah. that they are no longer a force to reckon with, and as you mentioned, uh, diminish their electoral influence in certain constituencies. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you know there is a well-devised formula. Uh, since uh, 2004, uh, yeah. wherein you know a a, a particular a section, whatever is the population of that particular area, is divided by I think the total population, and then uh, mm-hmm. I think that area is demarcated. Uh, why are then these concerns uh, cropping up? Uh, you know, on the lines of religion or community, is it just the sheer politicization of the exercise or is there really some truth uh, as far as yeah. electoral advantage or disadvantage is concerned if we if we see the comments of himanta biswas sharma his comments only makes this very curious because uh, when he uh, he he like made um, told media about the cabinet decision of redrawing boundaries and merging of four district he just said i cannot explain the it, it was there in hindu only i cannot say the reason behind it, it So my ministers will go to the go to the specific areas and tell people. I cannot say it on public. That that was first comment. So that makes the key why why did he what could be a reason key he cannot say it in public but he will tell 
to the people of the concerned places so that is the first point secondly the bjp's narrative has been like that we we'll, we are going to implement the assam accord this mm. is the first step to you know implement assam accord even as all assam student union samujjal bhattacharya he was speaking to me and he he told us clearly ki um, uh, our demand the like asus demand of delimitation is that the delimitation should be done in a way where the you know the dominance of the indigenous within courts uh, in assam is we call it khilonjia Hmm. So, uh, dominance of Kilonja should be intact in hmm. all constituencies. So, when you see these comments, and even Chief Minister was saying that uh, Assam movement could not could not do things. NRC was also unsuccessful. So, we are hoping delimitation will bring some hope. So, with, if you see these comments from the political class, then obviously, like we have a point to think: Is there any like you know, is it is it a move meant for like you know to Is it a hogwash, or is there some yeah. other political play uh, plan here at play here? Hmm. Uh, Devendra, do you have any question for Pratyush? Um, is there anything on the lines of delimitation happening in Rajasthan? The state goes to polls next year. No, nothing as of now. But uh, he did a fine story. I read it. It was interesting and answered a few questions I had. Related to Assam and the uh, politics going around it. Right. So, uh, as Pratyush's uh, story uh, also mentions and establishes that uh, BJP government under Himanta Biswa Sharma has been playing up uh, this entire issue by offering an assurance regarding well-being of the indigenous community, a plank one often sees being used by the party nationally as well as. it continues to harp on the us versus them divide which is now probably intrinsically linked to their politics across india uh, that brings us to the end of the discussion uh, and now we'll quickly request our guests to share their recommendations for our listeners so devendra uh, uh, why don't you go first what would be your recommendations So I don't watch much, but I am currently uh, reading two books. The first one is the Fresh Sheet. It's uh, by Rajesh Singh. He wrote about the Bahubali's of Indian politics. So basically, focuses on uh, how politics. Uh, so how uh, muscle power and money continues to dominate the Indian politics, and it traces since the rise of Arun Gavli until Mukhtar Ansari. Wow. What's the beginning and what's the end? So it's a gripping read. The second one is the, among one of my favorites, and I'm reading it for the fourth or fifth time. It's uh, by Ram Verma. He's a he was a IS officer. So it says memoir, Three Lals of Haryana. My life in the IS, my encounters with the Three Lals of Haryana. So he basically tells it uh, very closely the story of Haryana from the beginning, since Haryana became an independent state, the developmental journey, and how these uh, Three Lals. Dominated the politics for a long time till the nineties. What happened in and out bureaucratically and on ground? And who are so, these three lals in Haryana? It started with Bansi Lal, then came uh, Devi Lal, and then Bhajan uh, ah, Lal. Acha, nice. Sounds interesting. Their dynasties are tell the day ruling, no? Hmm. Hmm. Right. So it's a good one. Yeah. Pratyush, uh, what would be your recommendations for this week? 
so i am not reading anything in english now like i since i am in assam and book fair is going on so i was i bought some books on the assam history history of tripura and all those books in assamese so yeah there is nothing from my side to suggest this time but if somebody can read assamese like you know i can tell you know i am i'm basically reading books from the government only like they like government archives like book in book fair you can buy books in 620 rupees 6 rupees and 15 rupees so i i bought around 600 rupees of books in assamese all from the government sources so there are a lot of government records are there about like you know 1950 1960 so i'm trying to you know i'm trying to find out something out of it so i'm so i'm not reading anything new is there any specific title that probably we can put out these are like small small outlet uh, book outlets by the government the, uh, how tripura was formed and like assam history from this period to this period so it is nothing nothing specific but it is more more you can use it as a base for you know some future work and this so, is yeah. like a part of uh, government archives which is yeah yeah uh, in public domain right right okay uh uh two recommendations from my side um i just uh, finished watching this uh, documentary on hotstar called rubaru roshni uh it's by amir khan productions and uh, i think uh, the theme of the documentary is that uh, you talk to a person who is victim of a barbaric crime so uh, we meet daughter of a congress leader who was shot dead uh during anti sikh violence in uh delhi and then we meet the perpetrator of the crime which is uh the sikh guy who had uh, killed this congress leader uh it actually uh delves into this theme of forgiveness uh and what is it uh, as far as uh, seeking solace and peace is concerned when does a person get closure uh, so there are uh, two three stories one is about this uh, congress leader and his perpetrator there is another uh, uh, story about a christian nun and a farmer in madhya pradesh who had stabbed her to death and so this uh, this christian nun sister forgives uh, the farmer uh, and he gets remission gets out of jail and how he's trying to rebuild his life uh, it's a very uh, it's been uh, sh- shot for over a year and uh, beautifully done uh, second uh, recommendation is the piece that appeared uh, in uh, in the guardian i think it's uh, called uh, sorry it's it appeared in the washington post uh, after the uh, Roe versus Wade uh, judgment. So abortions are illegal, and uh, it's a it it's called abortion diaries, uh, pregnant and desperate in post Roe America by Caroline Kitchener. Uh, it uh, looks at the uncertainty, uh, the difficulties faced by three women who belong to lower economic strata who will have to now. you know look for avenues uh, for abortion elsewhere in mexico the arduous drive and uh, the risk that it poses to them uh, the lack of bodily autonomy which is there uh, owing to this uh, uh, judgment so it's been done uh, like really well so that would be my second uh, recommendation and uh, thank you again devendra uh, and pratyush for joining us on this podcast it was lovely 
hearing from you and talking about your stories hope to see you again uh on that note this podcast is adjourned all the news laundry podcasts are available on stitcher itunes and any other podcast platform please subscribe to news laundry help us keep news independent to catch all our podcasts on news pop culture current affairs and sport visit newslaundry.com follow us on facebook twitter and instagram and subscribe to our youtube channel